1: Hello and welcome to another after the episode discussion. This is Perry Carpenter, and today I have with me, of course, as always, the ever-present Mason Amadeus.
2: Hi, Perry. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Yeah, sounds oh, like of this is.
1: Why does this sound way too formal of so. a sudden?
2: Yeah, happy to join in. Happy to uh, happy to be a guest on the show here. Yeah. Well. <laughs>
1: Um, and if you are just joining us and you've not yet listened to episode six, which was called statistically conscious, uh, go back and listen to that now. Otherwise you're going to be totally lost or I don't know. You just won't care about the episode as
2: much. Subjecting yourself to spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that. Go back and listen now. So episode six, statistically conscious was largely about artificial intelligence, right? Was it? I think so. It feels like it. Yeah, I think it was. We conducted those interviews a while ago.
1: We did. No, it was about artificial intelligence because that is the topic du jour and has been for the past year about since uh, GPT-3 was released um, in chat form through OpenAI. It was on uh, OpenAI's playground environment before that, um, and a lot of companies were starting to use large language models before that, and put wrappers around it, but then OpenAI released that in a new interface, and it kind of took the world by storm and made everybody simultaneously really, really excited about the possibilities, and also very, very creeped out and afraid.
2: And I, I, we did have before that, you know, like Dolly and uh, the beginnings of Midjourney, and uh, which I think Midjourney Mid uses Journey Stable Diffusion, right? Stable Diffusion. I don't is think mid underlying... is Stable
1: Diffusion. So there's, there's like three or four major companies out there that are doing this. Stable Diffusion is a product as well.
2: Oh, um, I thought it was the method of generation.
1: It probably is, and I'm probably very ignorant about these things. Um, but the ones that The ones that uh, you can go to, there's a stable diffusion, there's Dolly, which is owned by OpenAI. So it's the same thing as Mm. ChatGPT at this point, because they've all been pulled in together. And then there is MidJourney, which uh, a lot of people are also familiar with. And there's pluses and minuses for all of these.
2: We just, I remember that those were sort of the first thing that were eye-catching. And then when ChatGPT really took off into the mainstream, then we were all really talking about AI. yeah.
1: Well, and and speaking of the art piece of this, so if you um, are using Dolly or if you use OpenAI and ChatGPT, you can in the ChatGPT mobile interface now, um, or even the web one, because uh, I, I did that the other day. You can type in what you want to create an image of and ChatGPT will then create a prompt, a Dolly prompt for that, and then submit that to ah. Dolly and you get the output.
2: That's oh, fine. We're playing good. Robot telephone for yeah.
1: Art. It it interprets your prompt, creates its own prompt, and then does its own thing.
2: Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And uh, Bing is doing that too. Like, because now there's that whole Bing. That's as through OpenAI as well. As though Bing is setting itself as your default search wasn't annoying enough. Now there's a whole giant pop out panel.
1: But yeah, again, that's all OpenAI,
2: and it's all really cool, actually. Like it is for all of the downsides.
1: If if you get it when it's actually working. Um, because they, as soon as they announced that and started putting it in everything, you started hitting all these server limitations.
2: Not to not to get too far off topic, but something that like I am surprised doesn't exist yet, and it, and it exists sort of in various forms, but none that are very user friendly. I'm just surprised it's not the first thing that's been jumped on. Is a true virtual assistant AI that can like take notes or search your computer for a file or have the kind of operability with your device. Like most of them, you know, can answer questions, give you like information or generate art. But I want one where I can be like, can you tell me what I have to get done this week? Or like, help me break down my schedule. Oh, can you make this a note? Uh, I'm
1: seeing more and more things that are basically open AI wrappers. Um, where people that do that are, are kind of taking stuff? like chat GPT or the GTP engine or their own version of an LLM and wrapping hardware and software around that. So I've seen notebooks that do it. So they translate all your writing and will do summaries of stuff and extrapolations of that and integrate with your calendar and anything else you want to give it access to. And then I saw a piece of hardware today that's essentially like a Star Trek communicator that you pin to your your clothing, and you can oh? just tap it and you can do uh, commands. It can have access to your your phone, do phone calls, or read your voicemails, look at your calendar, recommend uh, stuff based on all your emails and texts, search your full history and do stuff. So,
2: See, that's what I want.
1: I'll find the ad for that and send it to you.
2: It's, yeah, please do. I, I want like a, an assistant, you know, I yeah. need that. And if you're going to have all my data anyway, I mean, screw it. Just take all of it. Right. <laughs> exactly. I know I'm the product. It's fine. I'm not that interesting. just kidding. Obviously I have a lot of reservations and fears around that. I'm just being brazen for community yeah. effect. Well, I mean, it's,
1: it's fun to think about the possibilities mm-hmm. and I, it's continually surprising. Like we did that little bit at the end of our last, after the episode, when we talked to chat GPT and saw how human it can feel. And it's, it's more and more like that. I've gone through a couple of things now where I would literally have it quiz me on stuff. And then ah. like in the way that you quiz it, you have it ask you a question and it's checking the way that you answer that to see how it needs to follow up.
2: Oh, interesting. That's so- are you like doing it to like reinforce like a flashcard style learning something? Yeah, i
1: just trying to test it more than anything. But yeah, essentially that. So, uh, like in the cybersecurity context, it would I would say something like, "Hey, quiz me on the you know ten most important things that you think I need to know about cybersecurity," and phrase that as a question and and evaluate my responses. And then it'd come out and say, you know, explain social engineering and and give three examples.
2: As a cybersecurity expert, how Good of a job does it do? Like for you, is it are the questions it asks insightful and good or is it really basic or
1: it's fine. I mean, it's, it's not fine. not necessarily the most insightful, but at the same time, I don't know that I was prompting it for those more nuanced types of things. So what I've noticed about it is it does behave with some adult learning theory built in. And so if you answer and you give your answer and I say, you know, fishing is blah, 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 it will say, very good job. You did X and then it will go ahead and give its explanation of what that thing is, too. So you hear it again and it fills in any additional nuance that you may miss that way.
2: So it's good at the context of that. then.
1: Yeah, it's good at the context and it will give some interesting positive reinforcements like I say, good job or you nailed it type of stuff. (laughs) That is that is interesting. Thank you, computer.
2: I know. And there's a th- like, it's not fair that that feels patronizing, but it feels a little patronizing. Yeah. But it's not the, it's not the AI's fault, you know?
1: Well, I mean, the other thing that we mentioned last time, I think, and we probably even heard in some of the responses is that while it's processing though, the way that they've done the voice stuff is really human because as it's processing, searching for the next string of tokens, it will add ums and do little um, vocal disfluencies to cover for the fact that it's searching. And today I was doing one, and it did cough. Really? Yeah,
2: it coughed. To
1: me, it sounded like a cough. I think it was an it was a cough.
2: That's wild. I love that. That is part of how it's. And it so,
1: is if if anybody here is an open AI developer and has worked on that and can confirm that I actually heard a cough in that, reach out to Kudos. us. We would love we would love to talk to you about like all the whys and the whatnots and the how and everything uh associated with that because it's freaking brilliant. Um yeah but also a little bit interesting uncanny. in a freaky way. Uh but I like it.
2: That's firmly in the uncanny valley. I like that too. It like that kind of design is fascinating.
1: It's uncomfortable because it's not uncomfortable enough for me.
2: Yeah, it's too good.
1: It's too good.
2: So, speaking of of all of these things, I mean, it's kind of like discussion of the episode, but in terms of discussing the episode itself, do you have any big takeaways from it? Like what was the biggest thing for you? Oh man. Both
1: Lev and John Loden are extremely insightful in the way that they think about AI. Um and I think that that's really cool because so often in the world that I'm in, you hear AI talk, it was, it was spoken about it from a security or technology perspective, but it's really nice to know that people are thinking about AI from a philosophical and human condition perspective. And I thought that they did a great job bringing that to the table.
2: Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that, but you're right. We did kind of focus on, on, on that side of things, well, because of course we did in the context of folklore. Yeah. I think I really liked when we had them breaking down how an AI sees the world and how it answers things. Um, Because I think that's important to understand, to not be as scared of this thing that seems like magic. And I think particularly with the challenges that AI presents morally, philosophically, and also logistically, uh, understanding it is an important thing to do. So I hope that that was helpful to people. It was helpful to me talking to them.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that that, uh, the Chinese room experiment Mm -hmm. that John Loden talked about was super insightful and on point for this as well, because we do have a hard time understanding how can this thing that I'm conversing with not understand anything that it's saying back.
2: Right. Yeah, that was such a cool parallel. Um, and
1: for some reason, I had never heard that, even though I was a philosophy major. So I don't know where either my reading or my education went awry, but it sounds like I should have heard that when I was getting my education, but th- that was the first time I'd heard it.
2: And I don't know how I hadn't heard it because I feel like over half of my friends were somehow philosophy majors, which is weird. <laughs> right. I have a disproportionate amount of philosophy major friends. Uh, now that I am i didn't know you were a philosophy major too. I was. Uh the, uh, there's obviously a lot more meat on the AI bones too, that we can tear into probably in, in later seasons. Cause I mean, as it continues to develop and then we didn't even talk about Loeb with these guys really.
1: No, uh, we did touch on, I think AI and creativity, but we didn't talk about some of the crypt- AI cryptids and other yeah. bits of folklore that are
2: coming out. Something that we've heard from a few people is they want uh us to do some more case study style episodes so i think that could be interesting to just narrow down on like all right well let's tell the story about Loeb. let's talk about yeah this one thing kind of like we did with slenderman i think that'll be a fun thing that we should revisit in the future
1: yeah we Um, could make a whole either do a couple of those every season or make a whole season just of case studies
2: yeah i think that'd be fun and also if if you who are listening uh think that's a good idea let us know yeah that'd be a fun challenge
1: If you have thoughts about like what you would hope you would hear and see in season three, let us know. Yeah. Because we're having to think about that now.
2: Yeah. And uh, we have some stuff lined up that'll be really fun and very flexible. And I can't say anything else other than that. Unless you have something to say about that, Perry.
1: Other than fun, flexible folklore sounds pretty cool.
2: Fun, flexible folklore weirdly sounds like a yoga thing, like yoga and Reiki.
1: If anybody's wanting to make a folklore related yoga class. <laughs> For the fun, flexible folklore,
2: fun, flexible folklore yoga. You
1: could call it lore on the
2: floor. Oh, lore on the floor! You could do like all sorts of. Uh, I can't wait to figure out what yoga position is a tulpa. You know what I mean, <laughs> right? Anyway, this, sorry about that. You have that. to just believe that you can do it. Really, like right? Believe it's it. The power,
1: of positive thinking.
2: If I, <laughs> because I'm built like a noodle. Anytime I do yoga, I'm slender man. So I guess I'm uh, there.
1: I am manifesting uh, a downward facing dog sh- right now. Yeah. <laughs>
2: The next section is sound design elements and fun quirks. And I only have two tiny notes for sound design because this one is pretty minimal. Uh, The first one is I hate footsteps and I've been using them a lot more lately and I don't like them and I've never liked them.
1: I remember you used to rail about footsteps a lot. I'm a big footsteps fan. I put footsteps in everything and I have my favorite sets from libraries that I've pulled and know how to use in creative ways.
2: I would love for you to share with me which ones those are.
1: My favorite one that I always use is like, footstep crunching on snow it's it's Ah. my default footstep for anytime somebody is in a like a concrete room and they're getting up out of a chair it's (laughs) it's that initial crunch impact
2: they are flexible that snow it's very meaty the snow steps (laughs) there's a lot of texture i just i find that they're often not mixed well and they're tough to get placed right and i feel like most of the time they're not close enough to where the camera would be to be picked up But sometimes when I like in my decision tree of sound design, there's that first layer that's like, what is the camera picking up? But then what supersedes that is, is there something I need to convey in this scene, uh, even if it doesn't make logical sense for the camera to be picking it up? And so there was a couple of times we were walking back and forth to Digby's Closet. Uh, And I was like, I guess footsteps make sense.
1: Yeah. And the thing in that too, though, is when you're designing for footsteps, you're not necessarily designing for the reality of footsteps. Yeah. You're just trying to get across the, at least for me, when I do it, I'm just trying to get across the idea. So like if I have two people walking, I'm not really doing two sets of footsteps so much because that's just too much for people to hear.
2: Yeah, And when you layer them, the timing becomes very important because they can... If they're exactly opposite, it's far too rhythmic. Right. If they're at the same time, it's weird. If they don't overlap in just the right way or just the right time, like often, you almost splitting. want to
1: put like a like a delay on, like a little minimal slapback delay, just to make it sound like two people are kind of walking in sequence.
2: Yeah, I've I fully go for the layering approach. Uh, I gave you a heavier set of steps than me.
1: I am heavier than you.
2: I imagine I know that you're the same height as me, but I imagine you as taller. So I hmm. just, I just was like Perry's Perry's like six, four, uh, <laughs>
1: nice. I wish.
2: Yeah. I wish I was six four too. Um, the other sound design I, know I have is just a tiny little detail of, uh, when we are walking back and forth to Digby's closet, I did something that I don't think anyone will notice, but the, uh, ambient background sound of the studio is three separate tracks. One is the traffic outside. One is room tone with ventilation. The other one is that ticking clock. And even though we are in the same space, when we walk from the studio area over to Digby's closet, each of those elements shifts. So the probably the most noticeable one, if you can clock it, no pun intended, the yeah. clock moves from being on the left when you're in the studio, and as we walk down the hallway, the clock has moved over to the right side because we've changed our location. So like the relative placement of the ambience, the window where we hear the traffic also moves and it's very subtle, but it helps to make the spaces feel a little bit different It helps they're in sell the same it. building. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. I still I would go back probably and agonize over those walk forward and back sequences even more if I had the time. But Mm. that's just a fun little technique that I wanted to share in case anyone it sticks in anyone's brain and they find themselves designing a scene like that.
1: Well, and it makes total sense because all that would shift, right? In the real world. So you're you're having to play that game in your head about what would really happen if I was putting this on camera somehow.
0: Yeah,
2: I, th- I think a lot in terms of camera, um, and that approach is fun. I've used that in a couple of pod cubes too, that involve walking back and forth between places. Just uh, having multiple ambience tracks instead of one and panning them yeah. from the get-go a bit, so that way you can switch them around. Uh, that's all I got for sound design.
1: Hey, listeners. If you're like me and enjoy escaping to a real movie theater, then Regal Unlimited just makes sense. It's the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime with no blackout dates or restrictions. And your membership lets you get into premium format shows like IMAX and 4DX at a reduced cost. Plus, you'll save 10% on all non-alcoholic concessions. Regal Unlimited, it's the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits. So, if you're planning on seeing a couple movies this month, join Regal Unlimited. Now is the best time as summer's coming up. Sign up now in the Regal app or on the website at regmovies.com unlimited. And be sure to use the code Folklore24 to get 10% off a three-month
2: subscription. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Heya, Mason here, and I don't think I've mentioned it on the show before, but I have two cats, two big old boys named Chester and Cinders, and I love them both very much. But I didn't grow up with cats, and I've never suffered from general allergies like pollen, so it took me an embarrassingly long time to realize that I was allergic to them. No joke, when I started working from home, I would say things like, wow, I feel like I'm losing my voice every day, or isn't it weird, I can't breathe through my nose for some reason. Ultimately, it was my partner who said, that really sounds like Al, Allergies, and long story short, now I take a Claritin every day. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount. So you can live Claret and Clear. Use as directed.
1: If anybody else is interested, like, in a podcast with really cool sound design, I've been getting into the Lovecraft Investigations by BBC.
2: Yeah, I've heard that's really good.
1: That has some of the best sound design that's not in your face. It's it's understated, but, like, when you listen to it, it's—everything is intentional. I think the TV production quality sound design that you would expect, but without the picture.
0: From BBC Radio 4, The Lovecraft Investigations.
2: Okay, here's how it started.
1: We're calling it The Case of Charles Dexter Ward. A mystery that we figured was going to be intriguing. We didn't realize how dangerous it would get or how deep the rabbit hole went.
2: Go! I'm excited to check that out. Yeah, I mean,
1: and new. there's one thing, it was in season one that like really sold me on it because this uh, one of the protagonists is down in a tunnel and she talks about getting more cramped and she's she's doing one of these things kind of like we do where you're talking into a voice recorder and she's doing it and she and she goes she mentions how cramped it is and all of a sudden her her voice is like right in she, the mic and and nice. it's like you know the entire room just like pulls in around
2: her gets smaller and smaller uh,
1: it was so good
2: i love that that's cuz that's also the actor's mic technique like that's yeah that's not something you can really easily fake. So that is really, ah, uh, that's my favorite. Yeah, everything was I can't wait good to check that in out.
1: that scene. Um, And and for the whole show, it's like in f- season four. So right now I'm I'm in the middle of season three. Um, And it's all so good from an understated sound design perspective. And even the stuff that's super in your face is really good. But the small decisions that I hear in that are what really sell me on the
2: quality. Man, okay. I need to check that out. I need to get some inspiration.
1: Oh, I think you'd love it.
2: Narrative structure and how this episode fits in the season's scope. I mean, Perry's starting to lose grip on reality. Question mark, question mark.
1: No, I'm not.
2: Or reality's starting to lose grip on I Perry. Have
1: better, I have a better grip on reality than I have ever
2: had. Digby's convinced that he's an artificial intelligence, so he has run away. Things are about to get weird.
1: And will this tie into season one at all?
2: Right. Question mark, question mark. Who knows? Hmm. How does this all come together? To stay tuned, <laughs> tune in next week or the week after
1: for the exciting conclusions
2: Digital Folklore Chronicles. Anyway, voiceover and interviews. We pronounced John Loden's name wrong uh, in the inter- in the uh
1: in the credits I did, yeah. And I think probably in the who do we have on deck? Yeah, he says John Lawden, yeah. I say John Lawden. I'm not sure who's right about that. I'm going to say
2: me. <laughs> well, I I mean, okay, sure. That's a choice. I will abstain from weighing in. You just say it with confidence. When we recorded the script, you were like, Loden? And I was like, yeah, Loden. So I'm not guilt-free either. No.
1: I mean, he says his name, Loden. I think I said Lauden.
2: Or yeah, you said Lauden, And then I was just like, yeah, that's right. John, I we you, love you, you
1: if you're listening to this. We love you and we care about the pronunciation of your name. Yes. Didn't care enough to go back and fix it. <laughs>
2: Well, we also, you're, you were in a hotel. Uh, the whole, As I am now. As you are now. Our recording session for that one was a little funky. You were like on the floor fully, though.
1: Yeah, speaking into a chaise lounge. Yeah. <laughs> chaise lounge. I don't know what the best way to say that is either, if I want to go full like uppity. I, th-
2: I thought it was chaise long, but I, that, I'm thinking of that song by the band Wet Leg.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, speaking into a chaise lounge.
2: Yeah, I'm speaking into a chaise lounge. I thought that's one of those places in the airport you can only get in if you're in the special club, right?
1: Oh, yeah. That's the, the American Express Centurion
2: Club. That's what it is. Yeah. they sh- Chase should really get on that and make the Chase Lounge because that right. would be pretty good.
1: They should make the Discover Lounge. People would yeah. go in there not knowing what to expect.
2: I did have one thing to say about John Loden. I had not seen his personal website until after the episode was going up and I was making sure I had the links right. John's website's really cool and he's into like a lot of stuff like web design and just all sorts of different technology. And uh, he's a true geek. Yeah, he really is. He's very multifaceted. I would really recommend looking into other stuff that, that, that John has done. Uh, there's a link in the show notes of the, uh, of the episode and probably of this one too.
1: And that whole discipline. I mean, you like hear his background. He's got like army intelligence officer and everything else. And he's, he's a folklore professor, but is in this discipline of social informatics. And looking And also at,
2: teaches English. Yeah. Uh, super cool. John's, very interesting.
1: Well, and we fir- we first reached out to try to interview John. He's like, "Yeah, I'm a better interviewer than a guest." And he comes in, and we interview him. And w- like, actually, we did a pre-interview and talked to yeah. him for like an hour and a half. And we're like, "I wish we just recorded that." Yeah. And then we talked to him again, recorded it, and it was amazing the second time. Yeah. And I don't think we touched on like but forty percent of what we touched on the first
2: time. John was great. Um, I, he's he's someone I would like to. See if we can uh, have make a reappearance if we cover AI again. Or, or an update on his conspiracy bot.
1: Yeah. So, fun facts. I have one. Do you have one? I will think of mine while you do yours.
2: Oh, mine's going to be real short, so no pressure. <laughs> but here's my fun fact. Uh, Digby reciting binary was very funny to me. And the binary was also very fun.
1: Okay. My and fun fact, fact. fact is that uh, there are binary translators that you can find online. Oh, yeah, and- that's true. For people who are astute, they might be able to get something fun. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Or you can just waste some time.
2: It's only ones and zeros, but getting them in the right order is the tricky bit.
1: Okay. We have a listener comment that came in on Spotify. These come in, for those of you that don't know, Spotify has like these question and answer things, and you can poll people in the most polite way possible as they listen to the episodes. and. The one thing that I don't like about the way Spotify does this is you get these comments and there's no way to reply to them. There's no way to create yeah. threads with them. You just get the opportunity to publish the ones that you like and agree with. And so we got a one over the past couple of weeks. And I think it was really cool because this was uh, Danielle that... Uh, That left a comment and uh, Danielle says, this was great. Really like the after shows as much as the main content, keep it up. And I thought that that was great because both Mason and I wonder every now and then if like people get as much out of these after episode discussions as they get in the main, uh, what people like more about each episode type and all of that. And uh, we just want to make Mm -hmm. sure we're not cluttering somebody's feed. Uh, With stuff that they don't want to listen to. So it is good to know that people are listening to these and enjoying what we bring.
2: Yeah. No, that, that does, that makes me feel really good. Cause yeah, I wonder, like, do people want, if I'm getting nerdy about sound design or something, do people want to know that? Uh, Yeah.
1: I mean, we know Matthew listens because he tells us what what he pulls out and likes and doesn't like. But are there any other people listening? We know that at least Danielle is listening. So thank you. Yes.
2: And Dorian. Yeah. And Dorian.
1: Dorian is listening.
2: Who just got the Digby plushie that you sent. He did. I saw it in our Discord. Had a great, great photo. If y'all are not in our Discord, you should get there. There's an invite in the show notes.
1: We also do know now that Dorian's cat really likes the Digby plushie and has stolen it at least a couple times.
2: Yes. Yeah, it arrived today and apparently uh, uh, the cat has already tried to steal it like three times. Right. As is the cat's right. It is. Um what to look for in the next episode? I think the answer to that question is Digby. We got to find Digby. That was super sad. Yeah, that was sad. Like, I remember reading
1: the script and then the couple of times that we went through the script and, and read it to just you hit Digby's lines in that, and you actually feel for Digby. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. Like the, that situation of just not knowing who you are. Having a, an identity crisis, kind of this, it's, it, it really re- resembles, I think, the crisis that a lot of us go through, like, in junior high and high school when we're trying to understand who we are.
2: I was going to say, I'm try- I've, I'm pulling from, like, high school me for, like, Digby. And yeah. I've been writing Digby's lines, I'm trying to think of, like, what would I be like in high school?
1: And you get to that scene where he's, like, packing his backpack, and you don't necessarily know what's about to go on. Um, but then you get the letter, and it's like, oh, man.
2: Wow. I kept trying to write that scene so long and ended up cutting just basically everything until it was just what it was. And I think it ended up all right. Yeah. I was a little worried because there's so little between the two interviews of that episode that the, st- the structure was weird. But I was like this, it felt like it flowed better when it was shorter than if that had gone on for too long.
1: I have a hard time imagining it in the long form now, which I guess is a good yeah. thing. Um, yeah. Because I th- I think it was good that it was a little bit mysterious.
2: Yeah, because I want to just like reveal all the eggs in the basket. But I mean, you, you could have really tortured people with it,
1: I guess, if you had uh, some internal monologue.
2: <laughs> but I was thinking of like some Mandela stuff too, where he's like talking about these things he's fine, he's like packed that are these weird artifacts and stuff, and talking about memories he had and stuff he missed from us. Mm. But then it's just, it was a lot.
1: Yeah. But, uh, but that last scene where we realized that he's kind of left and left a note and all that, that actually hit well, I think.
2: Yeah, that worked. Your ad lib in that scene killed me while I was editing it. And it still does. I think it's my favorite line. Was that, oh, he said love. Yeah. And it just like, and I, and I stepped on you, the timing of that. I mean, I, I changed the timing in post cause you cracked me up when we were recording, but. The way that it's timed and your delivery on that, where it's like, Love Digby. And you're like, Oh, he said love. And I'm like, He's gone. That just, that I really liked that. Well, I remember uh, just that striking
1: me and the like hitting in such a real way, reading the script and then going, Oh, it's a raccoon. This is, you know, this is like on the face of it. When you really think about it, it's absurd. But at the same time, it's it's really cute. And you hit these things like in real life or, these these little details of somebody's word choice actually make everything so much more important. And I thought that yeah. where it said love Digby actually hits like that. It it means something completely different than if he just said Digby or left it side,
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, because he's, you know, he loves us. Or he's even your friend,
1: friend Digby, you know. Um, yeah. I think saying love any- Digby hits differently.
2: But you saying it in the episode also is very funny. <laughs> Oh, he said love. <laughs> oh, that was good, and that was not in the script. That was really funny.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that in like the Google Maps thing, those those were the two yeah. bits that weren't in the script.
2: Yeah, those. Yeah, those. I think those were the only ad libs in this episode.
1: I think so. Yeah, we had a couple others that didn't make the cut.
2: Yeah, I ended up. I even cut like some lines that were in the script for time. It was just like, well, this feels better without this.
1: Right. Um, yeah. Those. Both of the interviews were a little bit longer than we usually target for these, but. They were both super important and on topic for the most part.
2: Yeah, that that episode, uh, the narrative part of it was far shorter. Like It was only 1,500 words versus I usually write about 6,000 words or uh, 3,000 words. 6,000 was the maximum target. Yeah, 6,000 is a lot of words. Yeah, but this one was only like 1,400.
1: And it snapped. It was good. Yeah, it worked well. I will say that one of the people that we interviewed in the next episode came up with some of the best ad libs that we've ever had.
2: Yes, actually. Yeah. The, uh, a folklorist that we've talked about in the show, but not yet talked to is someone where we interviewed in the next episode and they gave a really good acting performance. Yeah, I'm very excited high school for you theater to hear it. worked. Yeah, when we recorded with this person, they we were like, "Do you feel comfortable doing this?" I've written you a fair few lines, and they were like, "Well, we'll see what four years of high school theater does." And then they crushed it. It's oh, so yeah. good. And the person who it is, I think you're going to be really excited when you hear it.
1: Yeah, it was it was super fun. We were both surprised yeah. at it. And uh, there's a little bit of a sing along part with it. If if it makes it the was cut. very yeah, I'm sure it will.
2: It was oh, there's no way that's not getting in. There's, I will rewrite everything to make sure we keep that. Yeah. It's going to be very good. I'm really excited.
1: All right. And with that, I think, uh, I think we've hit our time for this and thanks everybody for listening. We will catch you later. Bye. Bye.
2: I'm Mason Amadeus. And this is Digital Folklore.
1: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God. And we, are not its favored children.
2: The Heresies of Radolf Bantwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.